Hello and welcome to another episode of Grange TV. We have with us a very special guest, with uh, Mr. Chris Lieben. He's a former WEC champion, UFC veteran, bare knuckle boxing veteran, inaugural season of the Ultimate Fighter alumni, um, and also referee and judge, I believe. Am I correct? You're you qualified yep. to be. Yeah. All right, cool. Thank you so much for being here. Did I miss anything there? Did uh, any other things? Coach, dad, uh, trainer. Yeah, a lot. I mean, I'm a man of many hats. It feels like. You know, that's one thing with you. I, I, I don't know exactly what the term would be, but watching because I've watched the whole. You know, I've watched you fight. I've watched the whole thing, and I think you're. Would I say would it, would the term be growth? I think was one of the, the craziest things that I've had I've had a chance to experience watching you is your growth as a as a person from you know the Ultimate Fighter days even before that to who you are today exactly like what you said you're a dad you're a coach you're yeah so many other things can, can you speak on that? Yeah, you know, I mean. Uh you know, when I was, when I was on the ultimate fighter, you know, I was just, I was a kid more or less on the wrong side of the, the tracks. You know, I had a, uh, I had a rough upbringing and I really didn't, I had no clue how fucked up I was. You know, I, I, I had no clue that alcohol was an issue in my life. Everybody in my family starts drinking at noon, you know, as long as it's noon, we're good. You know, you're good, you know? And, uh, you know, and then in hindsight, going back and watching the show, realizing, oh, man, I've actually got some, some issues. You know, I didn't I didn't realize that I had all those uh, all those issues pre ultimate fighter and then, uh, you know, continued to struggle with a lot of them, you know, in and out of the cage uh, throughout the, the entirety of my UFC career. But, you know, that's what life is about. Life is about growth. Life is about progression. Life is about hopefully not ending up where you started, you know, and, uh, hopefully, you know, my, my child will have a lot more opportunity than I did because of the, the growth that I've been able to make, you know, and, uh, hopefully I'll be able to, at least this is how I choose to view it. You know, um, it gives me a little bit of, I guess, solace, you know, hopefully, you know, with some of the mistakes that I've made in the past, uh, I'll be able to help some people out so they, they don't make them as bad as I did. You know, I got a lot of young fighters that I work with and, uh, you know, you know, they kind of look up to me sometimes, I'd like to think at least, you know, so so when it comes to guidance and stuff, you know, they'll, they, they tend to listen a little bit more than they do to maybe mom or dad. So, you know, I feel like, you know, for me now, it's, you know, it, a lot of what I've went through has kind of put me in a position to be able to, uh, to help out, speak out, you know, and, you know, not only focus on my own recovery, um, but help other people with theirs. Yeah. You speak about, um, you know, making mistakes. How much do you think it was actually you made mistakes or you made the best decisions you could with the information that you had at the time, if you will, like, you know, like if you, if you only know blue, you can only pick blue, if you know what I mean. So how much was that a mistake right. or versus, you know, if you speak a little bit about the environment and that with which you grew up in, like, so how limited were your options, so to speak? You know, in hindsight, they were mistakes. Also, in hindsight, looking back, would I change anything? Probably not. Because I'm, I am where I'm at now, and like I said, I choose 
reason. So, you know, um, ultimately, it, everything that I did is, is in addition that I made hope for going where I'm aspiring to go. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely wouldn't say I made the best decisions with the information I had. <laughs> I made some pretty fucking bad decisions, man. Uh, you know, flat out. Like, there's just, there's no way around that one. Um, as a young guy, and, like, you know, be before uh, the before fighting, or, or as a young guy, are you talking about, or are you talking about as, as you got older? As I got older. As I got older. I mean, as, as a kid, I made some not so good decisions, but, but yeah, I would probably attribute those to, uh, it comes a point, there comes a point in your life. And I don't know exactly what that age is, 18, 21, 30, 40, when you got to stop blaming your parents and your childhood for the decisions that you make, you know, and looking back, I still made some bad decisions. And I still use some, and I use some excuses. Um, you know, those are on me. Those are on me. And I learned from that, you know, ultimately. Um, but, you know, it doesn't matter how traumatic or terrible your life was. Life goes on, you know. What are you going to do now? How are you going to uh, move forward? How are you going to better yourself and help others and, you know, be the best that you can be instead of, continuing to blame you know the decisions and the choices that you made were wrong in the past how much of a catalyst for that was uh the ultimate fighter when you were able to actually see yourself back because not many people get to actually see themselves back on on <laughs> tv or whatnot it was i mean really that's kind of what i was alluding to was uh that was the first time I really realized it, you know, being back home, sitting around, watching it with my friends, realizing, fuck, I'm, I'm drunk, I'm my outbursts, you know. Um, most of us, you know, and, and at least at that time, didn't have a camera following us around, you know, 24 hours a day, you know, whether we were sober or drunk, you know, and filming every decision that we made. But uh, to have that done at that age, you know, I think I was 23, when the ultimate fighter was filmed um you know it, it was definitely an eye-opener you know and and you know so I, so I said okay well maybe i'll just drink a little bit less and i'll i'll do this and that and i, I tried one thing it didn't work out i kind of half-assed tried something else that didn't work out too well you know and then you know and then slowly but surely you know you start to tighten things up in your life um Kind of like, you know, they say uh, a, a tree doesn't blow over with the first gust of wind, right? It's got to rock back and forth for a while before it's finally going to fall over. And I think that's kind of uh, the story when it comes to uh, me choosing the right path. I didn't just decide to start choosing the right path one day. I had to make a bad decision, make the right decision, then make two bad ones, and then go, that, that didn't work out, you know. So just slow and steady kind of a deal. Uh, how how do you reconcile whether it helped you being in the public eye or whether it made it much more difficult? Uh, how do you like? The only reason I say that is because I I was um I was with Rob with Robert Whitaker on the Ultimate Fighter when he was going to fight Gastelum, so I was with him as one of his coaches there, 
And um, I wanted fucking nothing to do with the cameras. And that was like two years ago. Um, I tried to be like, if the cameras came into the room, I tried to go the other way. Um, and I, and, and I don't drink. My grandfather's were alcoholics, man. So I had, I had that, I got to like kind of get that second hand. So I've always stayed away from it. I've been lucky in that regard. But, um, all of those things combined, I was very cognizant, but I was like almost 40 by that time. Well, you were a young guy. How cognizant were you as well? This is going to be that public. And how much did, did you, were you aware of that? Um, I, I mean, ultimately on that, uh, that first season off of the fighter, we didn't even know if it was going to get on TV. I had no idea. I remember telling Dana White once, like, man, maybe somebody will end up buying me some free beers once I get back to Portland for the show, you know? But that's like the pinnacle of what I thought it was going to be. I didn't realize I wasn't going to be able to go to the mall without being stopped a dozen times. You know, I didn't realize, uh, you know, it was going to explode and, 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 and do do what it did for, for me and, and others' careers and, and the UFC as well. Um, so really, I would say, I, you know, I, I had no idea. You know, but then later on, you know, when I would, you know, when I was in the UFC and, and I knew the power of the media, um, yeah, there were some tough times. You know, there were some tough times because the press is a funny thing, you know. The, you know, all it takes is one person to say some bullshit and then 20 other people will quote that person even though they know that what they said was wrong. Because now they're not necessarily slandering it. You know what I mean? So, you know, a lot of things, you know, were, were, were pulled out of, you know, that really upset me at the time, you know, and, uh, you know, ultimately you just, you just got to learn, man, I can't, I can't focus on that, you know? And so what I did is, you know, I never got on the internet. I never looked up people talking about my upcoming fight. I never looked up videos or shit on my opponent. I mean, I watched tape. I watched tape before I fight with my coaches, watch all their fights once, and then maybe go back and watch them one more time, break them down, specific details that we're going to train for. And that's it. Then I live in my bubble. You know, that's that's how I did it. So that, you know, I didn't let the, the, the hype or the media or w whether I did something right or something wrong, um, really uh, affect me that much if if we were at school together who who were you at school like who which like what kind of kid were you at school so if we were, we were in year 11 together we we're in year 11 uh you know i i was the kid that was uh probably a little bit too crazy for a lot of the other kids to hang out with um i mean i was just i was just i was a skater kid you know and then you know i got I got tripped in the hallway by a fucking jock my freshman year. That's the whole reason I went out for wrestling was just because I held a grudge against him for that. So I went out for wrestling the next day. Sophomore year, I ended up beating him for his varsity spot and he quit, you know, and then I, I found out that I really liked wrestling. Um, up until that point, you know, I did a little boxing in uh, middle school, um, but no, no real athletics. Um, you know, obviously I, I didn't really, my mom didn't watch me, so I didn't have a, a curfew or, or I didn't have to go home, you know, any one day or another day. You know, I, nobody thought I was going to graduate. I was the kid that, uh, you know, 
was was taking acid on mushrooms on the weekend and you know partying and you know um but somehow some way pulled off getting through high school and graduating you know did you and, say uh, somehow did you say that you know i don't know ahead. if this is true or not did uh were you did you said that you could you graduated but you weren't able to read or write is that true that's correct. Yes, I, I have a couple of. Yeah. I had a couple. I have a couple of friends that 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 happened with them. With you, was it? Was it? How did that happen? Like, wh why and how? Because I grew up in a meth house, and uh, you know the, uh, the 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 ERC the special ed teachers kind of told told me I was retarded. My mom never read a book to me. Um, you know, I, I went to school and, no, you know, everybody already had kind of written me off as, as, as being a lost, a, a, a lost cause. Um, there was one teacher in middle school that really helped me out. And I, I jumped up a few grade levels in one year working with her in uh, eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade. Um, but uh, turns out, man, I read all the time now. I, I read books all the time. You know, I, I meet with uh, groups and I, I, I read out loud to everybody else. Um, I read and write just fine. Um, they just they just told me I couldn't do it, and I did, so I didn't try. Um, they told me I'd never be able to do it, so I didn't try. And, uh, you know, it, it really affected me. You know, I really felt like I was dumber than the other people in the room. Um and probably one of the things that ultimately pushed me into fighting, you know, I had something to prove, you know, that I was worthy, that I was, uh, you know, more than just, I was going to end up being more than just a tweaker working at a gas station, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, that, that drove me to train my ass off every day in the gym and work, you know? And then back then that's when, uh, my space came out and, uh, you know, all of a sudden I had the right motivation, you know, trying to get laid to, to, to <laughs> sit in front of the computer and figure out how to spell words because I didn't want to look stupid. And then, all you know, now everybody was texting and then it was got a texting girl. So then I had to start texting and I'm looking shit up and texting. And then, uh, you know, slowly but surely, I just figured it out on my own that way. Do you remember a moment where you couldn't read and then you could read? Hello. Um, recently, actually, there was, a, um, I, you know, I was meeting with a, a group in, in a, of men for recovery, and uh, there's about 10 of us. And up until then, I had never read out loud to anybody, to any group, anybody ever, well, except for my, my sponsor, you know, we, we, I'd read out loud to him. And, you know, I always pass when it came to my turn. I'd say pass, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't want to read out loud. And then, you know, just, just a couple months ago, I was like, fuck it. You know, I'm not, you know, I might as well read. And I, you know, I, I read it perfect. Still broke down crying and, you know, it was still pretty heavy, you know, and I, I think a lot of people probably didn't understand why that was so difficult for me because for so long I felt um, lesser than because uh, of that handicap. You know, um, and then, you know, maybe I missed a word or two, but it wasn't, it wasn't terrible, you know, so, um, but it was like a, uh, 
almost like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders and I've read every week since. I, I, um, one of the reasons uh, I'm a teacher by trade. So I, I teach him what would be in the U S would be something like junior college, like something like that. I've been teaching for about 15 years and, and that's, we, we teach with all different communities, some, some communities that are marginalized and like the story that you're saying to, to me has been played out so many times. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's such a, you know, and, and just hearing you speak and, and people being able to see where, how far in your journey and how far you've gone. Uh, honestly, man, just want to, to me, it's one of the, the, the best stories in MMA. Like when I hear it, it's not just about getting belts and that. Like I look at the growth and, and then you having the courage actually to even talk about that and to talk about some of the stuff that, People don't want to talk about it, man. Like they, you know, they want to see Chris Lieben's a monster and he'll kill people and he'll bash people. But you're a fucking human being, you know, and you have your own, your own challenges. And so, yeah, I appreciate, man, you know, not being able to read. Embarrassing. What's that? Yeah. Sorry, what did you it say? It can be embarrassing to stand. Can, can you hear me? Yeah, now I can. Yeah. You there? Yep. Okay. Sorry. That, you know, it can be embarrassing to uh, stand up and tell a bunch of people you you know you you weren't able to read. You know, you didn't learn how to read like everybody else. It was for me, you know. Um, but like I said earlier in the interview, you know, hopefully that uh, by passing on what I've been through, I can help somebody else. And I mean, that's that's the that's the the way that I find my solace for for everything that I've gone through. I, man, not being able to read is is one thing, but being able to teach yourself to read as an adult, I, I can't even imagine that. You know what I mean? Because, like, I don't know. For me, I'm trying to learn to surf now. You know, and I watch the little kids that go past me on the boards, <laughs> and they're like six or seven years old, and everyone's super nice. You know, and they tell me this is what you have to do, and then I see like old ladies go past me. You know, you know when you're paddling up. And I'm struggling so hard. For them, they can't remember learning to surf. For me, I can't remember not being able to learn to read. Like, I could always read because I was very lucky. My mom was always like, blah, 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 blah. So I can't imagine having, like, to paddle out, so to speak, you know what I mean, for, as an adult for reading, you know what I mean? Like, and what the courage that that would take, uh, man, my hat – I take my hat off to you, man. Like I, that is one of the biggest things I admire. Fuck your fight career, you know. No disrespect, but that to me is like takes balls of steel. You know what I mean? What you said there is a good point because you know I, I like I don't remember learning a double leg. You know, I remember being in YMCA wrestling in first grade or whatever. You know, and you know I've always known one. You know how to, how, to, how to shoot a double or a single leg, you know, and I'm, you know, still to this day, you know, sometimes I get people that can't get it. And and just like you talked about surfing, I have to remind myself, hey, this did, this did, this doesn't come easy for everybody. They didn't learn it when they were a kid, you know, where I see some coaches get frustrated and, and, and yell and maybe belittle the people a little bit, you know. Um, I always try to, uh, you know, be light on them and just keep, keep helping them out because you know because of uh you know like you said about the surfing those those similar experiences did you um you so you you finished high school and then you enlist in the army am i correct that's correct they told you you were going to be able to wrestle but did, did you go a wall then 
I did. So, you know, I had a, um, believe it or not, I had a couple colleges looking at me for, uh, for wrestling, you know, and, and offered me to go, go there, but, uh, you're not going to go to college if you can't read. Right. So, you know, the next thing was, uh, you know, I ran into a, uh, a wonderful later I ran into a wonderful recruiter and you know he's like man just for you know wrestle for the army you know da 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 and, you know he said they would send the scout out to watch me um he said they did whether they really did or not i don't know but ultimately i i you know i did well in basic training and then you know i, I ended up uh shooting expert and having you know 300 pt so i i got selected to go to the 82nd airborne i went to airborne school um and then i got to the 82nd airborne and i went to my first sergeant and i said okay i'm ready to go uh try out for the wrestling team now and he said well we're understaffed in in your position we're getting ready to deploy here in nine months and uh we really need you so you can't go Ooh. you know and uh I was working on helicopters 12 hours a day and a, a young Chris Lieben uh, didn't understand that he didn't, he doesn't always get to do what, what he wants to do. So I got in my car and I drove across the country. Ultimately I ended up uh, in uh, Cor Corvallis, Oregon or Eugene. I can't remember, but it was a civil war football game. And I was at a frat party, got in a fight, got thrown in jail spent some time down there then i got shipped out to uh military jail that sucked um got you know and then ultimately when i got out of that that's uh that's about when i started at team quest what's the difference between mainstream jail and military jail uh a lot a lot so they don't have to treat you the way they do in regular in military jail um we basically they had us in we, i was in fort sill oklahoma they had us in these old world war ii barracks with no windows it was the middle of winter it was freezing um they would let us inside just to sleep a few hours then we had to go stand outside all day um in the morning they put us on a cattle truck drive us down with standard attention for two or three hours try to eat breakfast for four minutes and then back stand outside back on the cattle truck stand in detention for a few more hours lunch back stand outside back on the cattle truck stand in detention for a few more hours dinner back stand outside and then go in get a couple hours sleep and then you're back to standing outside there were no fences or anything i'd look they said you are in the middle of an artillery base closest road is about 20 miles away you can go ahead and try to run if you want uh you might get blown up if you do get away you're going to get at least 20 years in regular jail so we don't recommend it um nobody tried <laughs> you know nobody tried and and no so so is it out of the two which is the the preferable one normal jail or or military jail from your opinion not not being in jail oh, at all. Fuck, of course no i'm just trying to reconcile um the the standing up for hours and the cattle truck and all that is is normal jail like that no regular jail is much better yeah ah okay okay yeah I'd 
Right. Like, like now, in regular jail. Because I agree with your first thing that- You got a phone, you take a shower, you know, um, yeah, we didn't take showers, we didn't have phones, we, there was no extra, extra food, there was no uh, rec time or workout time, or, you know, it was just stand there. No benches, nothing, just stand there. It sucked. That's insane. That's, yeah, no, that's, that's why I, I, um, when you said that, I was thinking that that sounds even worse than normal jail, the, the one you, you were talking about. And normal jail sounds horrible, but, um, that one seems to have taken the yep. cake. Um, you know, you, you know, can I, yep. you're a referee now, right? Or, or you, you're qualified to be a referee. Can you speak about that? Cause you don't see a lot, like heaps and heaps of fighters become referees, but you hear a lot of fighters and a lot of people complain about referees and judges, but not many of them actually go off and do it, which by the way, I think would be, uh, a, a, such a hard job. Can you speak about what it's like refereeing? Yeah. Yeah. So I've been repping here uh, amateurly in California for maybe a little over three years, three and a half years or so. Um, it seems like, you know, a couple times a month, I'm somewhere repping the show. Um, and you know, I, I rough and judge, um, it's fucking hard, man. You know, uh, to be a referee in California, you have to pass either Herb Dean or Big John McCarthy's course. I took Herb's. Um, I'm still surprised I passed. It was extremely difficult. Um, you know, then you have to, you know, get aboard with, with CAMO, the California Organization of Martial Arts. Um, and, uh, you have to shadow a ref for, uh, 10, 10 shows before you finally get a, get a ref on your own. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, you, you know, number one is fighter safety, you know, and, and you're, you're in there making split second decisions. Now I like everybody thought that I would be the perfect rep. I thought, you know what? I got 50 something fights. I cornered hundreds of fights. I've been watching a million fights. I can ref no problem. And then you get in there and you realize it's a whole different set of schools, set of skills, you know, and it's, it's not something that you, it's like fucking juggling. It doesn't matter how many times you watch somebody juggle until you get out there and drop some balls, you're not going to learn how to do it, you know? And that, that's been my experience breathing, you know? And so it's been, it, you know, it's, I, I continue to try to, I, I look at it just like I always look at, um, fighting or martial arts, you know, after every, uh, match that I rough, I go, what worked, what didn't work? What could I improve on? I meet with the other referees. We communicate, we have open line dialogue, you know, Hey, I think you were a little too close to the action there. Maybe a step back. You would have been able to see what was going on. You know what I mean? See a little bit more, uh, you know, Hey, you gotta, you gotta look to your, to your judges for that. You gotta, you know, probably would have brought the doctor in You know, There's so much going on. You know, and, and it's so easy, you know, especially, you know, like the fight that comes to mind is, um, you know, the, the, the Robbie Lawler Van Asken fight, you know, when, yeah. when, uh, you know, you hear the commentators going, he's out, he's out, he's out. And then, uh, two seconds later, that was a terrible, he wasn't out. That was a terrible stoppage. It's like, well, look, it's the ref. You don't get it. You don't get to do that. You don't get a flip flop. You make, you got to make the right decision one time, you know, and, and ultimately going back and watching that, fight, I, I do, I think her made the right decision the way his, his arm, his arm, um, had went down. But, uh, 
you know, that's just an example of, you know, you have to always be alert, always, always on point. And I think, I think people are uh, a little bit hard on referees. Now, judges, on the other hand, um, I think, you know, not all refs and judges are created equally. I think that there needs to be a little more stringent. I, I would like to see every state adhere to the same standards as California or Nevada. I would like to see every referee and judge passing one of these certified courses, not just, you know, through knowing somebody, you know, or having boxed, having been a boxing judge, being being allowed to, uh, to, to like, you know, our sport is still young, you know, and it's uh, it's continuing to grow. You know, we, we've, we've made a lot of changes in the last decade, and I think in the next 10 years, a lot more, there's a lot more changes going to happen. And that, you know, and that's because we know it's not perfect right now. Uh, you know, we're continuing to strive to make it better. Um, if there's one thing I'd like to see, it's that, all of the states be on the same selective process for referees and judges and adhere to the same standards that you see in um, California, you know, Nevada, you know, and some other states where you have to pass one of these certified courses. You have to um, take a test and prove that you know how to judge. You know the difference between a 10-9 round and a 10-8 round. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, I, th I think that we're, we're on that road. I think that's going to happen. It's just going to take a little bit more time. How hard is it to judge a fight under the, under the current system where you have to sit next to the, can you, can you talk to people about that? Because people don't actually know what judging is. I, I truly enjoy refing. I love refing. I judge, um, not going to lie don't really like it. And here's why I don't like it because it, there is a, it, it is subjective because somebody can say, well, I scored that round 10, nine this way because this, this, and that I get, so I gave a little more value to this guy doing this than that guy doing that. And of course me being a fighter, I always think I know best, you know, um, I think most people do, you know, sometimes it frustrates me, when people don't see the fight the same way that, that I saw the fight, um, you know, but then other times people don't see the fight the way I saw the fight. And then when I listen to their logic behind why they scored it that way and I go, you know, I mean, I get it. That makes sense. Okay. You know, that, that is well within the confines of the rules to, to have scored it that way. Um, so the problem is it's not a surefire thing. Judging a fight isn't like scoring a basketball game. You don't you don't get a two or a three. You know what I mean? Like two they got more baskets than the other team. They won. You know, that is not that is not how, how scoring a fight works. So it, it is subjective. And you know that that's gonna be an issue that hopefully we can tighten up, but it's never going to be completely gone. Okay. I um Conscious of the fact that, that you're pressed for time, I just want to ask you about these upcoming fights that we have here: uh, Costa versus Adesanya. What do you? Who do you think, and how? Man, I like Stylebender, dude. I, I, you know, I think I think right now he's he's kind of on fire. Um, 
I think he's going to use that use that range. Uh, but you know, that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, of course. Gaethje um, and uh, Numagomedov, and how? Gaethje and who? Uh, Khabib. Trying to remember. Oh, and Khabib. Okay, yeah. Fuck, I'm excited to see that one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> um, you know, I think Khabib's old school take him down, ground and pound, wrestle, grind him. You know, it's pretty unstoppable right now. Gaethje's got the power in the hands to do it, though. You know. He's a division one wrestler I, I, too. Yeah, yeah. I gotta I gotta uh that's a tough one, man, but I gotta go with Khabib. But that is gonna be a, a good fight to watch. There's one thing for sure, that fight will be exciting. Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. You know, <sighs> I think Tyson. I think I think Tyson's gonna get it. Um, Roy looks good though, man, and, and and he came in the gym not that long ago. I saw him. He's he stayed in shape. He's still working out. He was in the I gym with you. Roy never really let himself get out of shape the way that Tyson did. Right. Um, but you know, if you go back and you watch Roy's last few fights, I think his chin is a little uh, suspect over the years. You know, he's got a lot of wear and tear on him. Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, the longer it goes, the better it is for Roy. Let's put it that way. Was, was Roy in the gym with you? Like in the same gym training with you? Yeah. 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 He just stopped by. We, we have a great boxing program down at the arena, my old gym. And, uh, he was down there talking to some guys. So look good. He looks, looks healthy. He always stays in shape, you know? Um, so but I, I still think but Roy was great don't get me wrong he was great but he was never Mike Tyson right, you know right, what right. I mean um, and uh, one one just one little thing before before we go um, I, I, I was watching your documentary and it said you liked training and everything more than you liked the actual fight and I think that's something that a lot of fans wouldn't know about you because like when you watch you fight and even when your demeanor and that it looks like you love fighting maybe not so much a training but you said you loved the training and the camaraderie in the gym and that more than you liked fighting is that accurate that is accurate yeah yeah fighting is stressful man you got to cut all that weight that sucks you know there's like you know there's all the cameras there's all the hype all the stress then you go out there you know and you got to hurt somebody you got to hurt somebody because they're trying to hurt you. And that's, that's your guys' jobs. That's what I signed up to do. But, uh, but you know, it's tough. My favorite part of any fight is getting my hand raised at the end, flat out, you know, <laughs> like, um, during the fight, I I'm fighting for my life, man. I'm trying to get them before they get me, you know, that that's, that's the way that is. Um, you know, it, it, but any, but see, the thing is, the thing about it is, the fight is the measuring stick. You don't know if what you're doing works unless you actually test it. 
like I said, with refing, I, 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 whenever I fight, I go, what worked, what didn't work, what needs improvement. And that doesn't matter if I won. It doesn't matter if I lost. And that's also part of facing your fears. You know, you put your time and energy, you know, as much time and energy as I put into martial arts, I needed to know for me that it worked and that, you know, I needed to compete, you know? Um, so I like the effect the fight has. I like the effect that it had on me as a person on overcoming fear and adversity on focusing and driving towards a goal. Um, but the actual 15 minutes of throwing in there, anybody that tells you that's really fun. I, I just, I, I doubt, I doubt that. I doubt they're having a blast. Not, it's not like hanging out at the water park. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's intense. It's, it's highly, highly intense. Um, and it's a great memory to have, but, uh, but I don't know that I would define that as fun. Do you miss it? Because you retired due to a heart condition and then you, 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 you went back to bare knuckle fighting and that, did you miss fighting? Was that? Yeah, I miss training for the fight. Ah, but not, but would you prefer to fight bare knuckles? You know, I, I actually really ultimately, um, you know, after, my cardiologist, I said, Hey, would you clear me to fight? She said, yes. About a week later is when I got that, uh, a message from Dave Feldman about fighting in bare knuckle. And at first I told him, no way. I went back and looked at it on YouTube and I went, dude, this fucking sport is made for me, man. This is exciting, you know, and I got to do it. You know, I want to, I want to cross that off the bucket list as far as being a martial art martial artist goes, you know, fighting with no gloves at all, you know, and, and really it was a pretty good experience. It feels kind of like the, the old, old days of the UFC when you weren't really sure if what you were doing was legal or not, you know? And, and, uh, so, so to, to, to be able to say, I, I was part of that, you know, um, one of the first waves of, bare knuckle fighters in, you know, 150 years in the United States. So I think it's, it's, it's pretty cool. That's something that I'll, I'll be able to carry with me forever. Physically, and, is it know, harder? Sorry? Go ahead. No, Go no. Ahead. I was just going to ask you physically, is it harder trauma to your face, to your hands? Which one's harder? I think both. You know, I, I shattered a knuckle on uh, Phil Baroni's head. Um, luckily that punch knocked him out because I was, I wasn't going to hit with that hand again. That's for sure. Um, I broke my hand numerous times in fights and it hasn't really bothered me till after they cut off my wraps. But, uh, when you explode a knuckle, that is a different story. Um, so, you know, it is harder on the hands, you know, you do, you know, and, and the funny thing is people will tell you, Oh, it's more precise. you got to focus on where you're bullshit. You're in a, this fight, man, you're throwing as hard as you possibly can. You know what I mean? At least me, at least me. Um, as far as the trauma to the face goes, um, there's definitely less on the brain, definitely more lacerations. It's uglier. That's for sure. You know, um, that first fight, that first show that I was on, I mean, when you went backstage, it looked like a freaking civil war med tent, you know, 
got everybody was leaking. Everybody was cut open. You know, uh, my last fight, I, I got a broken orbital and I had 30 sticks stitches. I had a cut here, a cut here that stitched the side of my nose back on. Um, it was ugly. It was ugly, but you know, but for a guy like me that doesn't really get knocked out, that just continues to take punches, I think probably safer, to be honest with you. Because when, when you fight, like, especially with four-ounce gloves, it's, like, perfect for brain damage. Like, you, you, your hand gets wrapped, like, in a cast, and then the glove goes over the top of that, and you can still punch hard and fast with four ounces, so, and it protects your hands. So people don't understand, like, the trauma that's occurring, like, inside. And with bare knuckles, exactly. you can't. You, 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 it doesn't have the same effect, does it? Like, God, no, you, you, you told me, I suppose. You got a little bit of weight to that glove and that, and that hand wrap. There, there is, a, it's, it's, it's got a little more density to it. You know, that, especially the UFC glove, that foam is real hard. It's got that, it's, it's dense when it hits you. And, and yeah, I think it's more concussion. I would, I would say that than just, um, the feel is different getting hit with that than getting hit with it with a bare knuckle. Um, getting hit with a bare knuckle so it'll snap you back a little bit but it, it's more like a, i almost want to say like getting stabbed kind of you know like boom you get hit it didn't feel like much and but then you're leaking you're, you're gonna you know any little jab is gonna cut you you know you're gonna leak for sure you know um ultimately what that what happens then is is you know you're not going to see nearly uh you know the volume of of head of head trauma in, in in a bare knuckle fight as you are in a in a five round UFC bout against two strikers. You know what I mean? Like they're gonna take a lot more, I think, damage to the brain that's gonna affect them cognitively. You know, where where aesthetically, you know, yeah, you might walk away with a scar, you know, with more scars from bare knuckle, but you know, it is what it is. All right. Um, Chris, I'm just conscious of the, the fact that you, you, you have to go kind of caught you in a rush. Uh, I could talk to you forever, man. But, um, look, thank you so much for giving up your time and that. And I really appreciate it. And I'm sure people are going to take a lot from your, from your interview. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. No worries, man. Hey, and like I said to you off, uh, off camera before that little kid of yours, Liam, that's his name. Yes. He's a beautiful little boy, man. I he looks like you, but he's beautiful. So I don't I don't even know how that happened. But um <laughs> but yeah, no, nah, man. Um congratulations on you and your family and everything, man, and everything you're doing. And I genuinely wish you the best, man. Thank you very much, man. I appreciate it. Take care, mate. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right, you have a